Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a great one for you. So today I'm going to be sitting down with Scott Melker, aka the Wolf of All Streets, and we're going to be talking about the difference between investing and trading, and then we're also going to get into his trading techniques, his trading strategy. Uh, we're going to give you some tips because, you know, he's been in this market a very long time. Uh, he's kind of, you know, gained some wisdom over the years, and so he's going to impart that on you this episode. Now, before we get into it, Uh, Just two quick things. Uh, First, as always, I like to ask you guys to subscribe. Uh, You don't want to miss any of these episodes. I'm going to be doing five a week. We're going to be hitting you hard. And if you're not subscribed, you're going to miss these episodes. And we really don't want that to happen. And then secondly, uh, the podcast has picked up a new sponsor. I'm very excited about this one. That sponsor is Roundly X. Uh, I'd really been looking for a sponsor that I can kind of get behind Uh, something that I can use, and Roundly X is just that. So Roundly X helps you invest your spare change into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies by rounding up each of your purchases. Uh, It's kind of like the acorns of crypto. If you don't know what that is, I'll walk you through it right now. So what you do is you create an account and you hook up your credit or debit card, uh, and then when you go make a purchase at the store, say it's $1.45, right? It'll round that up to $2, you'll invest $0.55, and that $0.55 will be invested into Bitcoin. Uh, It's super simple to get set up. It took me maybe five minutes to do it, and uh, it's just another great way to stack sats. I know a lot of people hate that term, but it really is the easiest way. I've been preaching this really hard lately. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to trade, and you want to become more of that long-term investor, what you want to do is dollar cost average, and these guys help you do it. Uh, There's going to be a link in the description below. I highly encourage you to check out the website, sign up for their service, get your cards linked so that you can start stacking Bitcoin today. Now let's get into the episode. So Scott, before we get into kind of what you're doing in the industry and your trading strategy, do you think you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you were doing before you found cryptocurrencies? Definitely. First of all, thank you so much for uh, asking me to be on. Uh, really an honor. I really appreciate you accepting, man. I'm really looking forward to this. Looking forward to talking. So yeah, um, I've had a pretty crazy background. Um, I was like a classic smart kid with ADD, so I was always all over the place and trying everything, and that sort of like carried through to adulthood to some degree. Um, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, and all of my friends were, you know heading to Wall Street and looking at finance jobs. And I was trying to become a professional DJ and start an internet company and about five other things, all of which I, you know, to varying degrees tried and succeeded or failed at. But um, DJing and music production is sort of what stuck. Uh, So, you know, I started in the late 90s, but in the early 2000s, I really started to sort of build. I was in Philadelphia and started to get bigger gigs downtown. And I moved to New York and it progressed from there to where it sort of became to where I could, you know, travel regularly, domestically, internationally, and, and make a living doing music. So that sort of pushed all my other aspirations to the side to some degree. 
Um, because that was, you know, obviously just, I felt like I was living the dream and I had to capitalize on it, uh, while the opportunity was there. Cause I knew that eventually I would age out of that business, which is sort of what happened and how I, uh, switched from being, you know, a, a casual part-time trader on the side of DJing to, to really doing it full-time, sort of the combination of my age and having, uh, my daughter, which was a, uh, which was a surprise, <laughs> a very happy one, um, sort of, you know, through that lifestyle uh, into a bit of a, made it a bit tumultuous and a, a bit hard to sustain. So I obviously made the responsible decision and, you know, uh, stopped traveling and, and and made this transition, which been has been amazing. So, you know, throughout that time, I did various other things. I've always sort of consulted to small businesses, worked with some tech platforms, a lot of music-based stuff. Um, and that sort of, you know, all led me to, to where I am. I think I'm older than most people, um, sort of in the Twitter community or in this <laughs> industry since I'm in my, uh, you know, I'm 43 years old now. I'm in my forties. And, uh, so, uh, it's been quite, quite a long story for the last few decades. Yeah, man, you've had, you have an absolutely crazy backstory. I, it's awesome that you've wound up here, um, because you've been absolutely killing it. You talk about the fact that you're one of the older guys on Twitter, but I think a lot of people can look up to you and use your wisdom and respect you for that. Um, and you talked about the fact that you're kind of all over the place. I am in the same boat, you know, I was doing, trying to do six different things at once. I finally kind of found my stride. Um, but you know, I, I first saw you, I think, I don't know how long ago it was, but you were, it was some DJ post. I was like, okay, who's this guy? Started investigating hmm. further. Um, and saw that you were also an analyst, a trader. Uh, before we get into anything else, I always like to ask my guests who are traders if they are investors as well. So are you in? Are you an investor in Bitcoin? Actually, I would consider myself an investor first, and to a really great degree. Um, and I think that anyone who is a pro trader, certainly what I've learned in my experience, but anyone who's a pro trader should only be trading with a very small portion of their account and should be behaving as an investor otherwise. Um, statistically, trading is a loser's game. You know, 95% of traders fail, 80% are gone after a couple of months. And even after 10 years, traders who continue to fail and have never been profitable just still do it, which basically just shows that most of us are gamblers, I think, at heart. Um, so, you know, I've made a lot more money in my life investing than trading. Um, that's of course over a long time frame and being somewhat, you know, responsible, at least in my thirties, I was a jackass in my twenties. Um, but, and, you know, just getting as much money into various, uh, various investments as I could, uh, during that time. I mean, there's no question it's. It's a very obvious thing if you look at anyone who's acquired wealth, they've done it by investing money early and not touching it. It's a very simple formula that most people refuse to believe. <laughs> it really um, is. And, and that, that's really just counter to the spirit of trading, I think. so. Of course, yeah. I, I, I think uh, the Twitter community is very young and one of our biggest assets is time. But I feel like so few people capitalize on that and they end up trading their stacks away. Uh, the reason I ask is I have had a couple people on who are like, no, I don't believe in Bitcoin, but I trade the volatility. So it's good to know that, you know, you kind of take this investor, you know, strategy, um, but you do also trade. I do see a lot of charts. 
you, you've mentioned, you know, your music, your trading, you've done a little bit of, you know, consulting. Uh, you've got a lot going on. Do you think you could just give us a rundown of everything that you've done in the cryptocurrency space? Sure. Well, I think, you know, as you said, someone analyst and trader first and everything has sort of uh, spurred from that. Um, a couple of years ago, I followed and then harassed <laughs> another trader who I thought was just the best I had found. His name's Chris, Christopher Inks. He goes by Texas West Capital. And uh, I was astounded sort of when I, uh, I guess, made this the move into crypto Twitter from music Twitter, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, and at just how immature and sort of irresponsible the space was. Uh, clearly to anyone with, you know, a bit of experience or age, you could tell that it was primarily scams and that most people, you know, were being taken for a ride in the hope that they were going to be, you know, invest a hundred bucks and become millionaires. And so uh, the socially responsible side of me bothered him enough to finally get him to start uh, to put together a trading course to sort of combat the bad information uh, in the space. Um, and, uh, you know, I always joke, I even wrote it in my newsletter today, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. So I always viewed him as, you know, far superior and sort of uh, just positioned myself to take him as a mentor, even though I had lots of experience, you know, it's always nice to have someone to learn from. And then to sort of just uh, light a fire under him and help him, um, you know, get the word out there and teach people proper risk management and how to trade. And that sort of expanded into a Discord group um, and uh, a bunch of different offerings. Again, like I, I'm more of the admin and sort of the, the, you know, engine behind it, but it's all his trade ideas and all the information that he has from 20 or 30 years of trading. So. Um, you know, that's obviously one main thing. I spend a good, good portion of my day interacting with our students and members. Um, as you know, you know, uh, it's just sort of funny. You get to a certain point on Twitter, uh, whether or not, and I, you know, I can't say who does and who doesn't, myself included, um, where opportunities just start, um, appearing on a daily basis. Like people are literally trying to just throw money at you to sponsor their product, to, do this and that. Um, something I was very, very uh, sort of against and that I didn't do much of. Um, but in that time, you know, you find those one out of every 50 that come to you that's something you actually believe in and probably would endorse and be talking about on your timeline anyways. And some of those have evolved into really great uh, relationships and partnerships for me. Um, I work with a company called Roundly X. Uh, they're sort of, if you're familiar with acorns in the conventional, uh, in the legacy space, they basically round up, uh, purchases from your credit cards and account. Uh, so, you know, if you buy something for 90 cents, they take 10 cents and buy crypto. So it's passive investing, dollar cost averaging. You're not looking at a chart. It's, uh, the spirit of everything that I believe people should be doing. And I actually use acorns in legacy markets as well. And I don't care how much money you have. It's still nice to just passively put away 10, 20, 50, $100. And personally, I use both services. So I contacted them um, when I saw the service and uh, you know started throwing around ideas. And then I introduced them to Voyager, which is an exchange that's commission-free. Um, and they just did a partnership. So I put that together for them. And, and you know as a result of that, that started working a little more closely with Roundly X and Voyager. But not, you know, as I said, those were pe both people that I approached because they were the platforms that I used. 
And, uh, you know, I think when you're in a certain position, you have a voice, or at least they're going to respond. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a blue check next to my name for whatever that's worth for music. And so I think if people take me a bit more seriously, uh, which is just a lucky sort of uh, add, add on for me. Um, and so, you know, I've been working with them. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of products, a lot of people that I'm talking to, a lot of projects. Uh, Centivate is one that I'm extremely excited about that uh, I've come on as an advisor, sort of reinventing the internet. And again, like I'm not in that for pumping their coin or I don't even, haven't even checked the price. I, that's not the angle. I just really believe in the products and I really believe they can change the world to some degree, or at least the internet, how we use it. And so I have sort of inserted myself there <laughs> and I'm trying to make myself useful. Man, you're getting back to your younger days where you're trying to do, you know, everything. And it sounds like you're succeeding in most of it. Um, you... Well, it's certainly not full-time jobs. Yeah, you know, of, of course. Sort of like, uh, connecting dots for people and uh, making introductions when necessary or when appropriate. And that's something I've always sort of been able to do. I've always known people who know people and am not afraid to ask. So, uh, you know, that that's a skill set that can be valuable to some of these smaller companies. Yeah, man, you're, you're getting shit done. You talked about Roundly. I actually think I just saw you posting something about that. I love the idea. I've actually had someone on their competitor it's called coin dust app similar kind of thing where it rounds up your your dollar your purchase to the next dollar i think it's a wonderful idea it's worked successful or it's been extremely successful uh with Ro or not robin hood sorry acorns um yeah so i i don't see why we we don't have that or shouldn't have that in the crypto space um but the biggest thing i think that you touched on there was the fact that these are products that you believe in you're using them already. It's not like somebody just shot you an offer and you're like, yes, I'm going to accept it. You really take the time to kind of find stuff that you would use and that you enjoy and that you believe in. And then you try to connect some dots, connect some people, get in, get your foot in the door and then start working with them uh, like you did with Roundly and uh, was it Voyager? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of been my approach to life, honestly. Like, if I see something I like, I'm, you know, I'm a passionate person about the things I like, and so I really pursue them. Uh, and with a music career, uh, that's a, I think everybody is sort of that way. If there's someone you like their music, there's someone you want to work with, you have to have the balls to ask. Um, and so, you know, I, I sort of, I've always taken that approach where I'm perfectly happy to aggressively uh attempt to get what I want from uh, people in a positive manner, you know, or from a situation. And I think that's the only way you can really uh, get ahead in this world. I don't think, especially in, in crypto, being meek is not really uh, going to be a very good habit. No, so. not, not at all. And I think, uh, you know, I think everyone's seen the DMs from some of the bigger names where these companies that are probably not the best companies, not the greatest companies, are reaching out saying, hey, we'd like to give you some money to sponsor us. And uh, those just never end up really working out. You really have to get out there, you know, talk to people, get your name out there and be like, hey, I want to work with you, not the other way around. And you've been extremely successful with it. You know, you've got these partnerships and companies that you're working with uh, and you, you've seen great success in the industry. So I want to say congratulations on that. I really appreciate you kind of, giving us your approach on how you find these people uh, as someone with a podcast who's looking for sponsors. It really 
gives me that, you know, drive and motivation to get out there and find those companies that I want to work with. So again, thank you very much. Uh, I kind of want to circle back because you talked about the fact that you've got a newsletter and this discord group and you're kind of interacting with them. Uh, I do want to talk about the trading strategy that you guys use. You briefly touched on the fact that a longer term investor strategy is kind of your go-to and what you preach. Uh, but do you think you could just specifically walk us through, you know, the trading strategy of the group, what you guys are good at, uh, who you who you guys are helping, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, again, so, you know, Chris is definitely the guru of the group, but I would say that we uh, preach risk management above all. Um, I don't, I think he would agree, but I think that your trading strategy as far as how you find entries and exits, exits is practically irrelevant. Um, I'm almost convinced I'd love to see someone do a study, but I'm convinced I could close my eyes and throw darts at charts for entries and exits and uh, still be profitable with a good risk management strategy. So we really focus more, um, and me in particular, certainly with my newsletter and as you've seen on my Twitter feed, um, with the emotional and sort of psychological side of trading because uh, that's the part that took me the longest to develop. I think that's the part that uh, loses people money. I don't think that it's uh, where you set your stop loss or where you know you uh, decide to exit. That's the biggest deal. It's the emotion with a trade and then violating your own sort of rules and plans. Of course, now you have to have rules <laughs> and plans to uh, effectively have any risk management strategy. So there's a certain like bar, uh, you know, low bar that you have to be able to clear before you should be trading at all. And we teach people that, but once you have even like the basis of a strategy, the key is just to, you know, set it and forget it, not check it, not make emotional decisions, not remove your stop loss or change your stop loss, take profit, don't get greedy. All the really obvious things everyone tells you, but that even the best traders probably struggle with sometimes. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's all about fear and greed and the other emotions that come with trading. And so to me, and what we try to preach is how to just completely eliminate those and, you know, make it more of a, a scientific or how you take your trades. I feel like you being in the market for as long as you have, and Chris as well, because he's an older guy, you really start to learn how you how you get emotional when you enter a trade, when you exit a trade, when you see something you know, crazy happen in crypto, things are popping off or dropping 10, 20, 30% at a time. Uh, and if you don't have a good reign over your emotions, you're going to lose your shit and you're not going to be successful. Um, can you briefly go into some of your tips, I would say, for how to keep your emotions in check? Uh, because like you said, everyone kind of preaches it, but not many people can put it into practice. Sure, absolutely. So um, I can tell you first and foremost that like, I literally have zero emotional attachment to my trades. I could not care less if I win or lose on a given trade because I know that over time, if I practice you know, my system, that I will make money. And it's, so getting to that point is like a zen-like state, but uh, I, I really think that anyone can get there. I think at the very basic part is understanding the size of your portfolio and how you should uh, and the size of an individual position relative to that. So the way that I have reduced emotion personally is that I only, like I said, trade with a certain percentage of my accounts. So let's say that you know I have my total or overall portfolio 
I don't like crypto to be more than 10% of my total portfolio, and I only trade with 15% of that crypto portfolio. So when you whittle that down, it's money I could literally throw in the trash and light on fire, and I wouldn't give a shit. It's the, the oldest adage of trading is only invest money that you can afford to lose. Well, it's really true, and nobody's doing it. No, so. I, I feel like everyone's going all in. I, not everyone, but I think a lot yeah, of no, people. Right. I, I, think it's, I think it's scary. And, you know, I think there's parts of the world where, you know, people don't really have many options and where crypto really could change or save their life, and I get it. But for your average person, like crypto should not be the first thing you're putting your money in. You should have a 401k or an IRA. You should actually have savings that, you know. And so if you're risking only what you can afford to lose, then you can pretty much unemotionally, uh, you know, work your strategy. So I basically back engineer everything. Um, I take a position size based on the chart. If I'm, say, you know, maybe my favorite thing we'll call support and resistance flips. So if, you know, resistance breaks, I'll put my entry at that support. Hope it comes back down and test it. And then depending on where my stop loss is, that's how I, uh, I mean, this should be trading 101, but that's how I determine my, my, uh, my position size. And, uh, you know, if I lose, I never lose more than 1% of my portfolio. And that's it. So I can lose 50 times, and, you know, make up for that on one alt trade very easily. So, you know, catching Bitcoin from 7,400 to just over 10,000 recently, um, I was buying under 4,000 when Bitcoin hit 6,000 and everyone was screaming resistance. Chris and I were very vocally saying that uh, it didn't make sense that I'll be resistance and we'd pop right through. So we were buying heavily and I think a lot of our followers likely were. I don't know because, you know, it's up to them to do what they do. And we rode that really up to, you know, 13 plus. So those two trades alone, I can, I mean, you know, I can literally, like I said, just close my eyes and throw darts the rest of the year and my year is made. So um, I think if people can emotionally realize that losing doesn't matter at all, being wrong does not matter at all. Being right doesn't matter at all. All that matters is losing small and letting your winners run. And that's it. So, you know, taking profit at the appropriate times, not being afraid to let it run, but also not being afraid to take profit and be stop being greedy. And those are things that just come with time and experience. But if you have a plan and you have your targets and you set your orders in advance, you shouldn't even have to look at a chart again after you enter a position. Yeah, man, I, I really like this kind of hands-off approach. It's very laid back. Uh, two big things you touched on there, which I really want to go into, are kind of understanding that this is a long game and not to focus on you know one specific trade just understand that if you continue to make these trades, you will eventually hit that big trade. You know, like you're saying, these small little losers, you make sure you're not losing anything more than 1% of your portfolio, which is, or 1% of your trade, which is yeah. a small portion of your portfolio, crypto portfolio, and then a... Now, for a, me, it can be 1% of my whole portfolio, so it could be 20% on the trade, depending on where my stop loss is and the position size, but it's back engineered to 1% of the portfolio for me. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really like this idea that you have, you know, zeroed in on the trade from, you know, your crypto portfolio to your much lar larger portfolio of stocks, bonds, you know, precious metals, everything that you have in your portfolio you've zeroed it down to this one tiny little bit of it that you're trading which really allows you to just take any emotion out of the equation and it's hard because i think so many people like i was saying are all in on crypto 
And I, I think it's a terrible strategy. You know, I could be very wrong here and it could work out for them beautifully, but it still doesn't make you wrong. Though. Exactly. You know what? You're right. You're right. Um, I, the result, the result does not uh, justify the, the thinking that got you there. Exactly. Um, I think that's actually a really important thing to, to touch on and something that, um, happens in the market all the time. Yeah, I'll let you continue. Sorry, but I have thoughts on that. No, no. I mean, if you want to go into it, please, because I think yeah. you're so right. So I've written about this in Cointelegraph, but one of the biggest problems I see in the market, and it's extremely amplified in crypto over other markets, is the idea of random reinforcement. Um, and I think there's a huge part of uh, risk management. So uh, just take a scenario here, say that you, know, you decide you want to become a professional trader, you go on Twitter, you start uh, checking the influencers and you go, oh, well, this guy's buying this altcoin. I must do it. Big green candle. You buy it. It goes up 30%. You close it an hour later. Okay. You do that three or four or five more times. Make crazy money. Holy shit. I'm a genius, right? <laughs> I'm the best trader in the world. I just made so much money. Well, we know how that ends, obviously. Then you continue just taking random positions. You lose everything. Okay. So what's happened is a, a phenomenon called random reinforcement, which is that the market tends to to at least in the short term tends to reward bad behavior. So your bad behavior is taking positions with no plan, no risk management. And because it's a small sample size, you've won. And now you think that you are a genius. So let's take the flip side of that coin, which is that you have a plan. You're an excellent trader. You wait, you're patient, you take your trade, stop out, take another trade, stop out eight times in a row. You stop out. So what do you do? You get pissed off, you revenge trade, and then what happens? We all know, you win on your revenge trade just by random luck. And so now you've been actually punished for your good behavior, which is that you know you had a system, you traded correctly, and you got emotional, and now you're back to that other, that other place. So random reinforcement is obviously the idea that the, that the market will reward you when you're bad and it will punish you when you're good. And so... The only way to combat random reinforcement is a extremely large sample size over a long period of time. So you can't judge what happened on 10 trades. You can't judge what happened on 50 trades. You need to do it over years and thousands of trades. And that's how you can be profitable, which is why nobody can be a professional trader unless they're extremely well capitalized and have a ton of money to ride those losses. I really appreciate you touching on this because I feel like so many people are just riding this high of 2017 where they got into a couple good trades. They think that they're the best traders ever and they've continued to lose money now for two plus years. And they're kind of wondering what happened? When am I going to make that next good trade? There's no real planning there. Uh, there's no system. They were rewarded early and have continued to lose since. So thank you yeah, for, I, I really- I touched on it earlier. There's, there's, there's actually a study that says that in this situation, traders can lose for 10 years or more and still continue trading because they think that it's going to turn around for them and not not take personal responsibility for the fact that they're just terrible at this job. Yeah, it's, their money. it's been two plus years now, and I think people are still throwing money at all. It's not really know, knowing what they're doing. So yep. to anyone who's listening who has made a couple great trades and is now wondering what has happened, this is your reason. Take a step back, define your trading strategy, come back to the market, stick to that strategy. Scott, I really appreciate that one. Um, 
can we now, because you've talked about, you know, your past, you've talked about kind of some of the stuff that you've worked on in the industry. Uh, you've given us your investment strategy and your trading strategy. Uh, do you think you can talk to us about the next 12 months or so? You know, do you have anything big in your pipeline? Uh, I mean, I can't say it's big because it's a labor of love at this point, but something I actually launched just today and we touched on earlier is my newsletter, which I intend to do uh, weekly for as long as I can uh, make the time for it and do it. I plan to stick around. Um, and that's basically, you know, I think that people have sort of uh, engaged well with my Twitter and they enjoy sort of the tone and again, the, the I think the calm presence that I bring to a somewhat chaotic space, or at least that's my goal. And so I, I was looking for a way to expand on my thoughts there, you know, in more than 160 characters or, or whatever the limit is these days. Um, and so I started a newsletter and it's really almost like a, a magazine in my mind that I'll put out every every week with uh, different trade ideas, but more just sort of an analysis of the market and then, you know, tips and ideas and concepts about the emotion and, uh, and mistakes that traders made make. And honestly, just sort of trying to help people avoid the things that I've learned the hard way. Um, and so I have high hopes for that uh, in the future, um, something that can build and be really exciting for me. And then, you know, just continuing uh, with these partnerships I talked to you about before and hopefully helping these companies grow to a point where um, obviously it would benefit me uh, both financially, but also would just be a really exciting to see these companies that I want uh, to succeed to come out, you know, on top. Um, and so, I mean, trading is always going to be there. So in regards to trading, I don't see anything tremendous happening in the next year. I'm just going to keep doing it doing it a lot and making my little uh my little paycheck and paying the bills but i don't you know i don't see it as the way i'm going to get rich per se yeah no there's there's bigger fish to fry out there i'm really looking forward to what you have to say in this newsletter one because you're you i've seen your success on twitter but two you really do have i've brought it up a couple times now you do have this wisdom and time in the market that so many other traders don't have you know you're the quote unquote, old guy on Twitter. Um, and I think a lot of people can use your experiences and your failures and some of the stuff that has lost you money so that they don't need to go through the same thing. Uh, so I look forward to that. Anyone who's listening, I highly suggest going and checking out the newsletter. Uh, you also talked about the fact that you've got you know these couple partnerships that you're doing or these companies that you're working with and you're really excited to see them grow uh, because you will grow with them and uh, I, I'm really excited for this kind of stuff because I can see that we're kind of at the cusp of something here. You know, we had that huge ICO boom. Everyone thought, you know, crypto was the future. Things kind of cooled off and people forgot about it. Uh, but there have been companies that have worked through this entire two years and are now, you know, ready for the masses. So I think we're going to see some very big things in the near future. Uh, and then you talked about... Yeah, exactly. And then you talked about the fact that, you know, trading's always going to be there. There are other opportunities that present themselves along the way. So to anyone out there, I don't get so caught up in trying to make all your money trading. Uh, Scott uses it kind of as a paycheck and he's exploring other bigger options, which is how I think everybody should be doing this. Uh, there are a, There are a select few who trading is their job. They will make a killing. They will make a living off of it and they don't need anything else. So for them, you know, congratulations. It's 
you know, you're a small percentage of the population. Very small. And it's funny for me, what came sort of with eliminating the emotion for trading over time, which I used to be very emotional about my trades like anyone else. And I'm still very emotional about other things in life, by the way. I even get pissed off like when I lose fantasy football games, but I don't care if I lose a trade. Um, but, uh, you know, a very important aspect is that once you become unemotional about it, you also lose the excitement. You don't, <laughs> you don't only lose the fear and greed, but you also lose the excitement. So it's not like, I mean, I, I enjoy it. It's fine, but I'm not like dying to sit down and look at charts all day. I want to get through it as fast as possible and move on to other things in my life. So, um, you know, there's the sort of the flip side of the coin is that it becomes a job. Yeah. If you're yeah. Going to be good at it, it has to be a job, unfortunately. So, you know, you also lose some of the, uh, some of the passion. And, and I feel like nobody ever touches on that. You know, everyone who's on Twitter seems to be enjoying it a lot and they love trading and they sit down and it really gets their heart beating. You've been here so long and you understand that's a job and to be successful, you need to take all emotion out of it, which includes the joy that you get from, you know, some massive pump because you're not getting in on those, you know, 5,000% pumps. You're, you're treating this as a job and I never catch those. No. Ever. No. I, you, I'm out so long before it goes irrational. So, you know, it's just not even, I don't really look for the bottom or top. I sort of trade within a movement. My target's usually much lower than where things end up if they really pump. But I'm very satisfied when I, you know, when I, uh, when things play out the way that I hope that they will and I make some money. Yeah. When you catch that 20, 40%, not the 4,000%. Yeah, um, and I, I've mentioned this before on Twitter. Uh, you know, we see these people who talk about the fact that they hit ant shares or something for a hundred X. It's like, you did not know what you were doing. If you, yes, you, you had no idea what you're doing. If you sat in ant shares for a hundred X before taking any profit. Lottery ticket. Exactly. Um, so, okay. You have a lot coming up. You're doing a lot now and you've got a lot coming up in the future. Uh, before we end the episode, I always like to get the biggest tip from my guests. And you talked about the fact that you need to take the emotions out of trading and you gave us a couple tips on that. But can you give us just one more tip for traders and then also investors? Uh, my tip for beginner traders is don't do it. And that sounds ridiculous, but that really is true. Just don't do it unless you have a whole lot of money to throw in the trash. Um, because that is what's going to happen to nine out of 10 people who try. Um, and the biggest tip for investors that we touched on earlier, and it's so boring, but it's invest as much as you can when you're young and don't touch it. So anything that you literally can set aside and get into the market, any market, I really don't even care what it is. Probably crypto is not the safest one, but that should be smart part of it. Get your money into the market and don't look at it. Don't check your portfolio. Don't think about it. Look at it quarterly and rebalance. Uh, like any real long-term investor, and you will be very, very, very wealthy when you're 50 or 60 years old. The problem is that does it's not exciting, it's not sexy, it doesn't get you a Lambo when you're 30. But um, that's the you know sensible approach to acquiring wealth, and that's the way that you know the truly wealthy have been doing it forever. Most people who are rich have never looked at a chart in their lives. They don't know what they are. You know, they yeah. just uh, followed the standard and very well-proven strategies to accumulating wealth, to compounding interest, compounding gains. You know, if you can get 10% a year on your money in seven years, you double your money 
14 years, you're going to have quadruple. It's just, it's simple math that if you can get your money into the market and compound your gains, you're going to acquire wealth. I really appreciate that, man, because I feel like so many people, especially in the cryptocurrency space, have said, I don't have a lot of money. What I'm going to do is I'm going to trade it, turn it into a ton of money, and then, you know, kind of pull some out and spread it out into other investments. You're saying take the exact opposite approach. If you don't have a lot of money, you should not be trying to trade. You should instead be investing for the long term. And that small amount of money will grow into vast sums of money over the right. long period of time. Yeah. And you might have to make some sacrifices on the way to actually get that money into the market and change your lifestyle, which is unfortunate, but it's reality. I mean, the truth is, if you have a million dollars, you have a thousand dollars, your risk management strategy should be exactly the same. So if one person can afford to lose 10 grand on a trade, well, if you only have a hundred bucks, you should not risk more than one dollar on any trade. Nobody wants to hear that because you're not going to make much money. Exactly. I, I really, you know, you're a very reasonable man. And I really appreciate you kind of coming on to be this voice of reason. Uh, because so many other people glamorize this reckless behavior. Uh, and it, it's worked out for some of them. We talked about why and how that happens. Uh, one last thing before we go, I've been trying to do this with all my guests. Do you have any book recommendations for my audience? Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely don't have any trading book recommendations for my <laughs> audience because uh, I don't read them. There we go. I've had such a long time. Um, I mean, there's some obvious ones. I think everyone should read some Malcolm Gladwell books. I think Outliers is great. Um, I'm a huge fantasy nerd. So like, yeah, if you were looking for book recommendations for me to get more like, you know, 14 book uh, York fantasy series that took me three years to read Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings type things. I, um, I appreciate I think, that. Uh, mandatory reading would be uh, Sam Harris, Letter to a Christian Nation, but that's because I'm an atheist. Um, the Shock Doctrine is a great book if you want to see how much uh, the United States has destroyed different parts of the world over the last 30 or 40 years. Uh, I, uh, those are probably <clears throat> the core ones. No, man, I, I really appreciate that. You know, so many people come on, they talk about, you know, trading and business books. You've kind of, you know, you're giving us some books that we can kind of just read at our leisure and learn about life and, you know, kind of your inner thoughts. So I really appreciate that. It's it's a, a definitely a change of pace from what I've asked or what I've gotten when I've asked, you know, for book recommendations. So thank you very much. Again, we've gone over so much today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I can't wait to get this episode out. I, I feel like people really need to hear this and they need to drill it into their heads. Very much appreciate it, man. I really, really uh, had a good time. Glad you had me on. It was awesome, man. Yeah. I hope I wasn't a boring old guy. You know, versus all these exciting, exciting uh, young stallions. <laughs> I mean, you were, but I, I feel like it's the the. <laughs> I, I I'm not saying it in a bad way. I, I think yeah, it yeah, was crucial for my audience to hear this. So again, thank you so much. All right, that wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I just want to take a quick second to remind you to leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We would greatly appreciate it if you did, and we look forward to seeing you next episode.